Hello and welcome back to the Optimizing Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Kendall. On this show, we take an engineering approach and speak to the experts about the insights into weight loss, fasting and nutrition, as well as real life people about their journey of nutritional optimization. Hello, Laurie. Great to chat to you again. Thanks for coming on for having a chat. And um, you're at your daughter's house at the moment, aren't you? I am at my daughter's house. Yeah. <laughs> even got a even got a treadmill desk set up there to keep walking, which is impressive. But um, yeah. I, I listened to your your recent podcast with Jim Stevens, and as I listened to it, there are a whole bunch of other questions that came into my mind, and uh, that I wanted to sort of talk through with you. So, um, really wanted to get you on, and just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing what we're doing with the world everybody's just sort of heard your message and jumped on board and um the current data-driven fasting challenge has got like 806 people in it and everybody's talking about data-driven fasting and how do i get a piece of what laurie has has got so um you've had some great success with it and um i suppose to give some background about five years ago i wrote a little article called um how to use a glucose meter as a fuel gauge and Laurie came along and found that a couple of years ago and used that and put it into practice and then started um, messaging me and saying, hey, uh, were you the one that wrote that article? And I got all these questions and a few other people had used it and done well with it. And I went, uh, during during lockdown in March last year, I decided, hey, it's time to finally make something more of it. So created data-driven fasting with a complete system and started a group and we had a million questions that we tried to answer and develop a complete guide. So yeah, thank you for being a part of that journey and motivating me to do it because it's just um, yeah going really well at the moment. So thank you so much. Well, it works really well. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, it doesn't, I'm, I'm it doesn't to empty how it... people's, doesn't make them turn their pockets inside out to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that, that's one of the things we try to do is is make it as simple as possible and as cheap as possible um, without having to track everything all the time. I think some people get overwhelmed with all the data all the time, but um, a simple glucometer um, on my little one here is um, is is yep, simple as <laughs> and it's just a, a simple on-off to say, do I really need to refuel now? So um, I suppose to give background, how did you come to this and um, what led you to be motivated to start pricking yourself with a glucometer to understand if you needed to eat? Well, um, women go through menopause and women get menopause belly. And that happened to me despite being on Trim Healthy Mama and knowing all the tips and tricks and how to move things around, suddenly I couldn't move things around. I, mm. I could not adjust my weight to my satisfaction. I felt like I was gaining two pounds, losing one, gaining two, losing one. And, and that's really frustrating at that point, isn't it? When it was you really very want to prioritize your health. Yeah, and especially since I'd started sort of doing Trim Healthy Mama the most freeing way possible, not having to be systematized about it. Mm. Um, but then, so I, I began searching the internet, mm. looking for answers. And that's, uh, I saw somebody posted on a Facebook page that I, one of the ones I kind of frequent about uh, that little chart that Chris Kresser, I finally yep. realized it's Chris Kresser's work. Yeah, that's that a really good Very simple little chart that mm. gave some ideal numbers to target oneself for. Thankfully, I was healthy enough that um, my, it didn't take much for my body to respond positively and start losing weight. But one of his ideal numbers is to fast until you get to below 86 in a glucose number, milligrams to deciliters. Mm. And um, if I had been a type two diabetic that was up in the 200s or whatever, mm. that would have been quite you a- You would to reach that, yeah. There, there yeah. was some interesting studies from the University of Otago where they played with uh, a tailored 
tailored target for people versus like an ideal number and I just found that people with trying to reach the ideal number was just impossible for people with any any level of obesity or insulin resistance so the the tailored approach is definitely better but what we've done with data-driven fasting is you, you get your tailored number and then dial it in from there to increase the degree of difficulty slowly right so, yeah. and that is what one thing that frustrated me about your blog post, how to use your glucose meter as a fuel gauge, was that you weren't giving any specific numbers. Here comes the two-year-old I can hear in the background. <laughs> Pardon us, folks. We're in a tiny house, and the two-year-old lives here. She's come home, and it's time for her to get put down for a nap. So we'll have a few moments of possible background noise. That's anyway, um, your, your lack of giving specifics frustrated me. And um, that's probably one of the reasons I reached out to you to, yep. to find the specifics. But I, uh, anyway, um, I see now the sensibility of that yeah. because not we're not all the same. Yeah. We, yeah. we need to start where we are and yeah. work towards our own ideal number. And yeah, and that, that's a really important component because if you say you have to fast until you get to 80 milligrams per deciliter before you eat again, no... <sighs> The majority of people aren't going to be able to reach that ideal number but if they go let's and what what we did in the original blog post is take your average seven day and let's reach a little bit lower but what we added recently was the descending trigger yes. which i think is the magic that um that yeah. makes stutter and fasting really work well i'm so glad that alex zotop is it zotop <laughs> you say his name yeah, Alex also found your work and that he reached out to you and said, hey, I can help you with this. And you guys teamed up because that app that you've created, the data driven fasting app, that's a genius right there. Yeah, everybody loves an app and uh, just to make it as simple as possible with the minimum effective dose of, of, of testing is really important. Um, right. I've, I've got some photos here I want to um, just show people. How much weight did you lose from being your biggest to Well, to your in, that, in that That's picture, amazing um, change. Where my arms were a little thicker. I was, uh, I think I was up at about 160 something. And then where my arms have thinned down there, I was in the, um, I was in my ideal range of those, like I had reached wedding weight by there. For me, that's 136. And so as long yep. as I can stay at 136 or below, I'm happy. I'm 5'5. Five, five, 136 is a great weight for me and it's easy for me with your method yep. to um, be able to it's regulate my weight up or down. I've gone down as low as 125 yep. and today I'm at 136. So I just kind of, I swing somewhere in between there. Usually between 130, 136 is my nice sweet spot to hang out in. Yeah. And you know how to get back there. If you go up, you go, okay, yeah. it's not guilt. I don't get panicked. You know, because all that right. mental game is really important. Because you, once you lose the mental game, you feel like a failure, and and you're in the binging and you're into the cookies. And, uh, you know, this is this is all useless. But if you've got a simple method to help you move forward, right, it's really important. And if I do do the the binging, the cookies, the Cheetos, whatever, going out to a restaurant and having the burgers, the fries, the shake, even if I see the weight go up four pounds or even five or six pounds from one day to the next, mm. I understand what's going on in my body mm. metabolically with, you know, the extra water weight gain. And I know mm. that that weight is going to turn around quickly yeah. and um, being able to stay on one end or the other of a fueling spectrum from yep. my trim healthy mama training. Yeah. I want to um, talk either, about that later too. Right. Uh, it's easy to, to move the, the scale around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I've got some photos of the, the trigger just to explain to people what we do there. So in the baselining period, we sort of get people to test their blood sugar before their meals when they're usually hungry and go to eat. So it's like eat normally, eat whatever normally eat. If you eat the ice cream, the donuts, just continue on as you normally do for three days. When do you feel hungry enough to think you're hungry and go to the fridge and start to eat? So that's the first baselining period. And that's how we lock in your initial trigger. But then after about five days of that baselining period, if you can log pre-meal glucose numbers below your trigger value, your trigger continues to go down. So a lot of people who come from extended fasting 
and um, alternate day fasting or whatever go this is really easy i've done omad and uh and i can eat two or three times a day what is this and but i think as people dial it in a little bit more the degree of difficulty gets harder and you have to wait a little bit longer but i think it's really important i found not to go from ben and jerry's ice cream mcdonald's to i'm gonna fast for you know a week because i'm gonna lose that weight because it, it, it rebound your body rebounds so it's really important to gradually increase the degree of difficulty and as you can see here as you go through the 30-day challenge that trigger continues to drop as you're able to be compliant so um yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a really important factor did you have, have any other comments on that from your experience well i i see the people in the data-driven fasting group um want to sometimes just push themselves hard mm. um i have a lady that i am acquainted with that she she realized that this was working for her and she could push hard but then i think reality set in and she realized she also needed to take a break she was yeah. i i don't think we can just be pushing our body um without a break and sort of a coasting time too yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah and that, I, that, I have done that really myself. Pushed and coaxed and then pushed and coasted. I mean, I'm sorry, not coaxed, coasted for a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely important if you push too hard, you, you, your lizard brain will always rebound and find a way to, to recover. If you tell it there's a famine, it'll go, okay, you, you push me through that extreme famine. I need to you know, right. right. Uh, right. prepare for another one but if you just slowly dial things down give your lizard brain what it needs and um just slowly dial things in and get a routine that's sustainable i think that's a really important component that um, people don't find when they do extended fasting or other methods that they think oh if i fast for a week i'm going to lose all this weight but you don't learn anything about eating well and having a good routine right um so also i also just want to yeah, I think on. understanding the, the glucose number um, and watching that drop is important. But then mm. if people don't pay attention to the nutrition that they're taking mm. in, uh, they're not going to succeed at the whole process either. You mentioned mm. the phrase lizard brain. Our, <laughs> our body will start nagging at us. Our brain yep. will start nagging at us if we're not providing the nutrition yeah. that we need and we'll perceive it as cravings and the, the cravings will get louder and louder until we start caving yeah. to the cravings. And all of a sudden you feel like a failure um, and you go, I can't do this, I'll never do it. And the, you, you have that failure mentality and then you give up and you fall off the wagon and you just, you know, then a month later you go, I need, need another extended fast and then you're in the same position again and again. So I've seen all these people who have, come to data-driven fasting after just you know, like losing weight, like regaining it, losing it, regaining it. If they don't get the nutrition they need, especially um, protein, vitamins, and minerals when they eat, they're potentially going to be losing lean muscle mass over the long term. So that's potentially dangerous and detrimental, although you're going through all this massive restriction. So I um, just wanted to talk, explain the data-driven fasting process. We've got the um, on this chart here, people log their can log their waking glucose and after meal glucose but the most important thing is the yellow dots which is the pre-meal glucose but um, we want people to wait until they get below their current trigger to eat um, and really you don't want to refuel really beyond the the full signal you don't want to overfill your glucose necessarily you just want to you know work within that range lower more stable glucose is not necessarily better mm -hmm. because that often drives people to swing to the other extreme with too much fat right. um, and if they don't get that balance so yeah i think just working within that low to full you don't want to be driving yourself to empty but you just want to between that right. low and full and progressively working your way back down so the numbers trigger. the numbers on the right can you go back to that slide the numbers yeah, on the that, right that's the millimoles per liter right yeah, yeah. and uh, so the american brain doesn't necessarily think in those terms um, but um i'm assuming that down by the 5.0 that's around the 80 yeah, somewhere correct. between 80, 80 and 85 Okay. But, this, but this range is personalized to the person so right um, and then depend like if you if you're 
evening pre-meal blood glucose is is lower then you might want to eat more at night but if you see your glucose going right up high at night you're going okay maybe i'm eating too much at night i need to move more to the morning so just I'm, I'm blown away over the last week of how much we're learning about how to interpret this as people ask a million questions in the group and with 800 people doing this concurrently. Yeah, there are a lot of questions flying it's around. so much fun. Um, yeah, and, but the results are, are really, really positive. So I just love seeing the, the continued numbers as people make progress. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I love that you but, and Alex figured out that you could take all that um, data from my fitness model and make sense out of it and start yeah. to formulate this picture like this, that yeah. this, what works and what doesn't work. The, mm. It works to eat on either end of the spectrum. Um, but as you see people drawing closer to the center where fats and carbs are coming together, mm. the weight's also going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot up that, that screenshot. Um, this is the data that we, from half a million days of my fitness pal, we found um, that people, when they eat around 40 to 50% carbohydrate, um, they tend to eat a lot more. So the vertical axis here is the amount people actually ate divided by their goal intake. So um, it seems that if you are able to sustain a carb intake of greater than 60%, it's really hard to overeat those foods. How much potato or broccoli or rice all by itself without any added fat can you have you sort of lose your appetite for that if you drop below around 30 percent carbs you also get an increase in satiety but it's those fat plus carb foods that are really really rare in nature that um that are really easy to overeat and we just eat more and more and we fill our glucose and fat fuel tank at the same time so um i really like that you talk about this trim healthy mama thing and um I dug into it after learning about you and it's really cool. And, and they seem to have some of the, the few people that align with, uh, you know, you can eat low carb or low fat, just don't eat the carbs and fats at the same time. And then if you really want to go hardcore, they've got a protein sparing modified fast. What's the, oh, it's, um, they call fuel it pull. the fuel pull, right? Yeah. I, I have correlated the fuel pull to the protein sparing modified fast, which no one should stay in on for any stretch of time. It's a yeah. it's a tool to use, but not to live on. Yeah, it's definitely an aggressive um, weight loss approach that bodybuilders can use. And the really extreme end is, is really difficult because your body struggles to get the energy it needs from protein and just keeps on having to draw on the body fat. And it's, it's, um, it's powerful but hard to sustain just because the body has to pull so much fat from your system and then ends up craving the donuts. So, yeah, we definitely recommend dialing things in slowly and really um, uh, we see everything on the spectrum between donuts and pizza on one end and then chicken breast and broccoli or, or whatever the lean, extra lean bodybuilder food on the other end if you're trying to strip body fat. But you need to find somewhere on that spectrum if you're down one end you just need to slowly dial your way up if you want to keep making progress if you're making progress you don't need to move further up to that extreme end but you just need to think in terms of does my food contain primarily nutrients which is protein vitamins and minerals or does it contain energy which is fat or carbs or you know yes. the, the most powerful appetite stimulant is the fat and carbs together so yeah tell us about trim healthy mama and what you learned from them and how you've combined it with the whole data driven fasting approach okay well i'm going to show a book this i started out with um one of these copies this is my daughter's copy i actually wow. think i thought so high think so highly of the program that um i provided her with all the books so she has every <laughs> every one of the trim healthy mama cookbooks in the house except for the most recent one. Um, the recent, most recent one is called Trim Healthy Future. Um, yep. And that's on its way. As a matter of fact, it'll be here tonight. Because <laughs> I'm here. So I, I want all the cookbooks. I want access to my favorite recipes. Trim Healthy Mama, uh, it was created by two sisters that um, they had tried lots of different dietary styles, all healthy for, for the most part. Mm. And low carb, um, vegan, keto, 
Oh yeah, one of the sisters it. actually lived a raw foods diet. She she kept adjusting at first. It was vegetarianism, veganism, and then raw foodism. So mm. she didn't even have an oven in her house to heat cook food. She did dehydrated, dehydrated or raw foods. And um, but while it healthy for a while, in the end, her body got depleted. And, mm. um, and the other sisters, she had other health issues. So the sisters are Pearl and Serene. I mm. um, think very highly of them. I respect their work. I'm grateful for their work. They created a community, a, yeah, a culture. Massive. It is massive. And I think women especially love it because they feel connected to something that is fun. Uh, the, the different fuels, carbs and fats, um, have different meal names. The the fat meal, fat fueled meals are called the S meals, standing for satis satisfying meals. And the um, the E meals, the carb fueled meals, are considered. E is a, a trigger for the brain for energy. So they're saying mm. that the carbs give you energy um, mm. and those are the emails and the fats are satisfying, satiating. Um, mm. Those are the fat fueled S meals. And mm. then they also created the meal that doesn't have either fats or carbs. They, they're mm. the fuel pull meals. And I nicknamed them in my muffin, uh, munching on the muffin top meal, <laughs> pulling that fat from around the middle. Um, the our, our satiety for protein, like if you're eating 15% protein, if you just dial it up, um, dial up the protein, you'll be naturally more satisfied and unable to overeat. So the higher you dial up your protein, the less you're able to eat and the more satiated you are. And if you're fasting, if you're not eating for long periods of time, you know, one meal a day, two meals a day, as long as you're getting the protein and nutrients you need when you eat, um, you're much more likely to be satiated. But as you said, you don't want to, you can't sustain extreme levels because your body just says, I need energy now and your lizard brain kicks in and you end up binging. So you just need to find your your place on that spectrum. Um, right. I think a lot of people get their um, knickers in a knot about being, you know, they, they jump to extremes all the time and optimum, we say, is never really rarely found at the extremes of anything. There's always sort of a middle zone that suits you right now. Mm -hmm. um, unless the you're trim, about to be a stage bodybuilder, you don't need to be up there. Yeah, Trim Healthy Mama does anchor all of their meals with protein. So if they're mm -hmm. doing if they're doing an S meal that has fats in it, they will use a they will allow themselves a fattier type protein. But if they're doing E meals, the carb fueled meals, then they're going to keep their proteins really lean. So the white mm. chicken meat, the tuna, things like that, that don't have the fats in them. And, mm. um, but every meal, even the fuel pull meal needs to have an, a protein anchor source to it. And so I mm. think their, their plan is very well balanced and it's mm. fun. They have great recipes. The thing that, that stopped working, at when menopause came along was the fueling that they recommend is frequent fueling. So they are mm. of the mind you need to every three to four hours, go ahead and consider okay. giving your body some more fuel so that you keep your blood sugar steady when you can keep it steady. But mine was really going upwards. I didn't yeah. need to eat. And I didn't realize that until I started actually looking at my blood sugar number, what was happening. I knew all along that the goal was to have a stable blood sugar, not to be spiking and sinking. But mm. I didn't understand that the frequent fueling was keeping my blood sugar from coming down for me to access my uh, stored fuel and use some of mm. that up before taking in new fuel. So that's where your information came along and was very helpful. To that's awesome. I think you're getting a bit of noise from your microphone bumping on your necklace there, as beautiful it is. Okay. As it is. You know what? I'm going to take the necklace then. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank um, you. Did you want to go through some of your meals that you actually eat to show how you jump between yeah, the, the low? I sent you pictures. So I thought they were beautiful. We photos um 
I suppose this is a, a fairly high carb meal. That is You've definitely some... a carb fueled meal, but I threw in fats there because I am easily maintaining my weight. So I don't mm. have to, I don't have to pay on staying away the combined fuels. And mm. um, though the sardines on there or the kippers on there, mm. those are influenced by you. Um, <laughs> I realized that uh, I had been playing around for a while with the uh, mastering diabetes guys yep. um, teaching and they're, and they're actually promoting don't add a bunch of protein to your food. Mm. And it's very, very high carb, very low, low fat, and also low protein. Mm. So while that is when I got down to my lowest weight of 125, yep. focusing on a lot of carb fueled meals, I was also starting to get that um, skinny fat. I saw my body yeah, fat percentage. I could just see it even in the mirror in the morning <laughs> as I'm getting ready for the day that yeah. Yes, I was thinner, but I was also, um, I, it, it wasn't a nice lean kind of thin that I wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, potentially frail and still a bit pudgy and with, right. you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, been, the, the, as you get older, it's really, really, really important to maintain that lean muscle mass because as you get more fragile and, and potentially fall over and break something, I mean, it, a lot of things go downhill from that when you're no longer mobile, you know, your quality of life, uh, you may, maybe or maybe not, you live longer, but if your quality of life when you're 80, 90 is in the toilet and you have to be craned to get to a toilet, then you're, it's not really a life that mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to living. So yeah, definitely important mm -hmm. to eat adequate protein pr to preserve that lean muscle mass. But yeah, the, the mastering diabetes guys are onto some, interesting things and it's interesting that they point out that you can still be fairly insulin sensitive with a a, a high carb low fat approach and again it's just keeping out of that middle zone of carb plus fat donuts cookies chocolate that uh, we all just tend to overeat and fill both fuel tanks so maybe we just skip through some of the, the okay. meals really beautiful and um you've always got the protein focus whether you've got the carbs or fats with them here's another That'd that was a, a picnic. I packed a picnic lunch to go to backyard and have a backyard COVID lunch with friends distanced. And that was what I packed and set it out for yeah, myself. That's great. You got plenty of protein there. Is it this is you call this that, a low carb? Uh meal that would no, that would would have been well, wait a minute. Yes, that was a, a low that was a low carb meal. Yes. I yeah. I was using a brand new recipe from Rashida's. Uh, the Trim Healthy Future Cookbook, that black thing at the top corner is a chocolate peppermint cupcake from her oh, newest wow. recipe book. She's cool. she's a genius in the kitchen too. So There's always plenty of color in these meals, which is an indication that there's plenty of nutrients in there. You, you, your eye catches the color and goes, wow, what is that? I need the, the nutrients in it. So again, a, a high-carb meal. High-carb meal. And that's another another... high-carb meal with plenty of rice. Mm -hmm. I um, go another back to the, meal. You've even the, got a now this is a naughty meal. This is, <laughs> okay. I had determined I was going to eat my daughter's um, sweet rolls that she made. And this was coming back from my last time in, in California. And I bought that Twix bar at the airport and just kept it in my bag and said to myself, Jin's line delay. Don't deny, yep. just delay. Yep. And so I yep. saved it to the next day when I knew I was going to have this feast with my daughter's cinnamon rolls, the Twix bar, and then some healthy things too. Is that a, that's a mushroom with parsley on top of it, is it? Uh, no, that, let's see, uh, that would be a corn, corn tortilla that was crisp in the oven and some black oh. beans with cumin in it and lots of cilantro on top yeah. I it's interesting to eat, your, your your meals are very robust when you eat you eat well you eat heartily and enjoy what you eat which is really nice um so yeah. here's another meal this is a restaurant meal that you just put up so that yep. meal actually was two meals put together it's a little expensive for me to eat at a restaurant because i end up seeing 
I'm not going to get enough in this one meal that's going to satisfy me. So I often will order two meals and cobble them together to get what I want to have. And if I have to take home leftovers, which doesn't happen often, I will do that. But I'm not a cheap date. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're never thinking I need to limit what I eat when you eat because when no. you eat, you've got a robust hunger and you're ready to refuel. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating to see what you eat and, and plenty of carbohydrates in there, but um, you also have plenty of, of nutrition. So Now don't um, go hiding that picture of all your cookbooks. Let's talk about those right now. you want to talk about that? Okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> Bring those beautiful pictures back. You and Saskia. Is it Saskia? Yeah, she's amazing. What she's done with that. You have teamed up with some great people. Saskia, Alex. Um, yeah, I love yourself. That. Okay, so you're, this is your collection of recipe books, and um, I love that they are not complicated recipes. They're easy to put together. They're full of nutrition, and if someone is in one of your classes uh, on Facebook, especially mm. your Nutrient Optimizer class, they have access to all those recipes. Mm. Mm. Um, they don't have to buy the individual books. So if somebody's not interested in messing around with Trim Healthy Mama, because um, that can be hard for people, then they don't have to think anything through. They can just go straight to your recipes. And yeah. so I appreciate having your cookbooks available to point people to. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, what we've done with these is says, you know, you know, some people want to eat vegetarian, some people want to be plant-based, some people want to eat mainly meat, some people enjoy a low-carb way of eating, some people need fat loss, um, but everybody needs nutrients regardless of their belief system or their preferences about nutrition. You, you all need nutrients. So we've tried to paint every dietary approach in the best light um, to, to, to develop recipes that contain more nutrients than, than anything else on the planet. So that's our primary goal. And those recipes just tend to be simple and really colourful and they photograph really well. And, and just Saskia's done an amazing job. We've even got a, a high-protein-to-energy ratio book for, for um, Ted Naiman. Mm -hmm. um, some people want to be in therapeutic ketosis. They need that. But at the same time, while you're doing that, you still need plenty of nutrition. So we've just mm -hmm. tried to develop a pro an approach but um it's been interesting in, in the master class just seeing just might explain to people what we do there um basically we, we're nutritionally agnostic we don't care which dietary approach you, you want to follow but everybody needs nutrients so what the nutrient optimizer does it just focuses people on the foods and meals that contain more of those harder to find nutrients at the top of the nutrient fingerprint so we've got this track and chronometer and nutrient optimize then tells you what to eat next to just keep on playing the game of optimizing nutrition and it's just amazing what people achieve this one on the left is from somebody following a vegetarian diet and this one over here is eating um head cheese which they they got went to the butcher and made head cheese which is literally you know yeah <laughs> an awful mixture which is uh not everybody's taste but has nothing to do with cheese. Religion, you, it's not cheese, but uh, whatever <laughs> dietary religion you want to follow, whatever your preference is, then you, you can optimize it with with this approach. So yeah, we're just completely thrilled to to see how that's working for people, more and more people, and getting on board. Um, do you want to talk about the the fuel gauge? Um, the, the, the fuel tank. Yes, that image like, that shows the fuel tanks. I think that's important for people to see. Yeah. So just maybe talk through your understanding of, of what okay. is Yeah, as a layperson and not having um, all your background information. So I my understanding is that the first tank that our body um, needs to empty after alcohol, <laughs> um, <laughs> alcohol will be burned off first but our body needs to work through some of the blood glucose. It mm. needs to lower enough for then our body to turn to the, um, the stored fuel that is mm. there available in the liver and the mus muscle tissue. Mm. The fatty acid part kind of confuses me a little bit, but I understand that if I don't mm. work through those other fuels, mm. my body is gonna just 
keep that big old body fat tank yeah. right there in storage for yeah. when I'm not providing what it needs. Mm. So if I can wait long enough to let my glucose fall or manage how I'm eating so that my glucose isn't jacked up by combining yeah. all the fuels together, especially uh, the processed foods, I see that mm. work very badly on my glucose. <laughs> but yeah, and I, it doesn't just raise it quickly and, and elevate. It, stay, it keeps it higher for longer. So I think that's one thing I'm just trying to keep on hammering on, that it's not necessarily how far your glu glucose rises. It's, it's the area under the curve that if it goes up and stays high and doesn't come down for a very long time, then that, that food, that meal is not working for you. Mm -hmm. So you do you want to... Um, give the real explanation of this <laughs> just my well, explanation uh, no i love it um yeah i suppose the, the important thing there is this this little pipe that flows between the different fuel tanks that signifies the the oxidative priority that like, like laurie said you've got to build, burn off the alcohol ketones and then your blood glucose so if your blood glucose is always high um you're never going to be working on the fatty acids but one of the reasons that your blood glucose can be high is your your body fat's full and your, your your blood is full of fat. So it's backing up, all that fuel is backing up into the system. So elevated blood glucose is not just an indication you're eating too much carbohydrate. It's probably also an indication that you've got too much fat stored on your body. So um, the way we manage that is you can go on a low-carb diet to drain the glucose to bring that down. But if you're still loading up with lots of fat, which is, I think, where people get tripped up with keto, they get great initial progress, but then they stall out because they're still loading up with more fat than they need to, so they're not accessing their body fat. So, But then if you drop back on both the carbs and the fat, not extreme, but just enough to be able to, to draw that down, you're then able to access your body fat. So that's, I think, why this system works so well. Everybody says, why am I losing so much fat around my belly? Nothing else has worked as well. It's like, uh, yeah, you just, you know, draw down your, your blood glucose and then your body fat can be used. And it's that dangerous fat, really, that's around your belly that leads to, you know, heart disease, insulin resistance, a whole bunch of other complications. And, and if you've got your onboard stores are fuel, full with fuel, then it's going to overflow into your vital organs, which then it gets really dangerous when you've got um, all that fat around your liver and, and everything. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. The one thing that um, I'm extremely grateful for with the Trim Healthy Mamas um, teaching, Pearl and Serene's teaching, was in their book they talked about insulin and glucagon those mm. two pancreatic hormones that the body pulses out and um, insulin will be dominant. And, but if, if we let our glucose come down enough, which means the insulin doesn't have to be at work, pushing it away into other tissues, mm. um, then the glucagon, the opposing, I consider it the weaker hormone mm. will come out, uh, will start to come into play and turn our stored fuel back mm. into that circulating glucose. And mm. I'm not sure who it was that I picked up the idea of um, our body wants to keep a certain amount of circulating fuel on board mm. in, in the bloodstream. And so that's why we get that ideal number of something in the low to mid eighties of a mm. glucose number as mm. that lets you know you've just, you've got enough fuel, uh, yeah. or you've you've got a help. Your body is sustaining itself. And once I know, I see people get frustrated in the DDF data driven fasting group when their glucose goes down, and they think, okay, it's time to eat, but I can't eat right now, so I'm going to wait a little bit. And then they test again, and their glucose has gone back and up, back up. And I think, great, that means that your body tucked in and pulled out some stored fuel, turned it back into glucose, and that's why your glucose blood sugar is reading a little bit higher. It's yeah. put more fuel into circulation to keep you going. So yeah. You're just drawing on that fuel that's stored in your liver and bring it back into your blood, which is not a bad thing. But, um, yeah, there's a few little nuances with data-driven fasting that takes a little while to get people to get the hang of, but in the challenge as they you know, be patient and accept the process, then 
seems to work really nicely. So, um, yeah, um, I suppose that probably the, the concept of metabolic flexibility, I think, is worth discussing um, in terms of, I'll just bring up the chart of you're not metabolically flexible when all your fuel tanks are full all at once. And if you add more fuel, you've it, there's nowhere for it to go. So it just backs up in the system and you see elevated glucose. But once you get to the point where you've depleted both your blood glucose and your fatty acids in your blood and you've got some storage in your, in your sponge, in your adipose tissue, then any fuel that comes in, it knows where to go and doesn't back up in the system. So at that point, it doesn't really matter whether you eat a low-carb or a low-fat meal. You're going to work with both. And I, I like the idea of being able to enjoy both extremes potentially mm -hmm. um, for, for some people who can, who can manage that because it allows a greater variety of foods and more nutrients potentially. But it's really important always to anchor it, like you said, around the, the protein for satiety, whether you're doing low carb or low fat, and I know some people even manage to do low carb for for breakfast and, and low fat for dinner, and on a rotating basis, and that works well. Do you see people that that approach sort of doesn't work well? I I haven't seen it not work well for people um, to eat on either end of the extreme. Um, but I know that people are afraid to eat on either end of the extreme. Some people are afraid of fats. You know, that was definitely the case in the eight, in the, in the early nineties where we were all told, mm. oh, it better be fat free, you know, and then mm. the snack wells took off. Um, and, but now people are, um, afraid of carbs. And so they, mm. if they wanted to enjoy a meal that was centered around, fruits and some lean protein or whatever, they're afraid to do that because they think their blood sugar is gonna spike high. What I did learn from um, using Cyrus and Robbie's uh, method, the Mastering Diabetes guys, was I could eat uh, a very heavy carb meal if it's whole food that my body mm. is gonna break down and lean protein and um, I actually started to get lower glucose numbers in the mm -hmm. long run. It was, it was when I stayed eating too many fat meals in a row that I saw that my mm -hmm. glucose number actually was starting to go up. My morning yeah. wake, my morning fasting glucose was starting to go up. That confused yeah. me. But it's um, really fascinating observation. Yeah. So I mean, I've taken my I've I've kept track of my numbers for two plus years now and just tried to figure out what's working, what's not working. And I wanted to be able to eat all the foods. I don't want to have to live on any specific diet. Sometimes I yeah. want to eat all the things together, but sometimes I keep my, um, I stay on one end of the fat or carb spectrum um, and just watch what happens to my numbers. And I'm confident mm. in doing that because of the teaching that I've been learning from you. I've also, mm. You know, I have learned from Robbie and Cyrus. Um, mm. I have learned from Annette Bosworth, Dr. Boz. Mm. But mm. I can't, I can't live with Dr. Bosworth's method because it's all about fats, and I can't live mm. with Robbie and Cyrus's methods because it's all about carbs. I refuse to be boxed in to one of yeah. those areas. I want to be metabolically flexible in my yep. diet. I love that. That's really cool. Um, yeah, did you want to talk about the the Dr. Boz? We always have arguments about whether that's useful. I don't know whether that's one of your secret questions that you had. Well, um, one of my secret questions was, do you think it'd ever be possible that we could have a, a confab between you, Dr. Boz, Robbie and, Cy and, yeah, Robbie and <laughs> Cyrus and say, why can't we work this out, people? Does it have to be one or the other? Can't we all play along? <laughs> Um, Why can't we have both? I yeah. suppose that, that's what we're trying to do with developing an agnostic approach to nutrition. Once you understand it at a deeper level and understand what actually moves the needle, you can say, well, we don't mind if you have a, you prefer low carb or low fat as long as you don't mix the two. And if you want to alternate, that's great too. But um, right. I suppose right. the, 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 to explain the Dr. Boz method is uh, looking at the glucose ketone index and involves measuring not just glucose but ketones as well and the higher the ketones the better so i sort of i've had a bit of a 
interesting relationship with ketones and ketosis and I used to track it all the time. But then I realized that over time, as you get more metabolically healthy, you don't have all this fuel floating around your bloodstream, whether it be glucose, free fatty acids or ketones. So, you know, nobody says I want to get my ketones and my blood sugar higher so I'm more metabolically healthy. It's just ridiculous because you don't correlate elevated blood sugar is correlated with diabetes. And if my wife stopped taking insulin, all her um, glucose, free fatty acids and ketones would just flow into a bloodstream and she'd be in diabetic ketoacidosis. And that's not a healthy situation. And once you get really insulin resistant, your ketones tend to go up. But as you get more metabolically healthy, the, the, the ketones start to go down. The only real way to keep elevated ketones is to eat more fat and avoid protein and carbs at the same time and everything i've done shows that avoiding protein just avoids nutrients so if you keep on chasing this higher gki or dr boz number it it just leads you away from good nutrition so it's and it just complexifies and makes the process more expensive so mm -hmm. that's um yeah, and people get good results initially, but I just worry about the long-term chasing yeah, more and more fat, like you said. Right, yeah. initially. But as a lifestyle, um, I don't think that it's, you know, this is just a lay person's opinion, but I don't think it's good to live in one territory or the other, in a fat-based mm -hmm. life or a carb-based life. I, th I think we need both um, and mm. and the protein. And I just, I've started calling it the macro trinity where, you know, we need, <laughs> we need fats, we need carbs, we need proteins. It, it's a three-legged stool, or if people want to think in religious terms, you need all three yeah. of the, you know, the Godhead, the so to speak, the trinity. <laughs> the trinity. Which one's the most important or are they all the, the Holy, which one's the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Well, you Maybe don't do well with only one focusing on one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I love I love the analogies. You're definitely a, a very religious person who cares really, really deeply for people. So it's a beautiful thing for you to um, just get out there. You just really want to share this, and it's worked for me. And I want to get out there. Um, is there anybody you think that data driven fasting would be most useful for versus you know somebody doesn't need to worry about tracking their glucose? I think data driven fasting tracking your glucose is most useful for um, the, the dietary diabetic, which is the type two diabetics. We know that type two can be turned around and people can resolve their, their diabetes. I know that a type one, the pancreas, that mm. part of the pancreas is shot. It's not going to produce the insulin. So mm. yes, we need to have that outside exogenous insulin, mm. but for a type two and pre-diabetic. Um, and it, the problem is it's silent. Most people have no clue that they're moving yeah. in that direction until their doctor yeah. says, oh, guess what? You have pre-diabetes or guess what? You're type two. I'm going to put you on insulin, which to me is crazy. Why would you add yeah. more insulin when that's the problem? Yeah. Your body exactly. has too high an insulin. It's really hard to rescue yourself once you get to that point, but it's even like looking at Clark, who's lean as and shredded, and he got even more shredded using data-driven fasting for months. It's really nice to see that it works regardless of the spectrum that you're on. But um, I think I see a lot of people come into data-driven fasting who have struggled with traditional fasting. They've made a good amount of progress by delaying their meals and skipping snacks and, and compressing their eating window, but this just helps troubleshoot that process and take it to the next level so that's sort of why it was designed to help right. people um you know troubleshoot and fine-tune and understand what's really going on in their bodies so they can say you know what's working for me am i eating too much some people do really well with a, a compressed window but to other people like in in the group they're saying well omad for me meant a four course all you could eat buffet and I wasn't losing weight, go figure. So you, once you understand how much your blood sugar rises, how long it takes to come back down, you can dial in the process to mm -hmm. to troubleshoot that and make sure you're getting a, a negative energy balance over the long term. And by putting in fuel when you actually need it, you just seem to get a greater satiety benefit. You just 
give your body what it needs when it needs it. And the lizard brain says, oh, cool, this is great. I'm, I'm chilled and I'll accept that continual mm-hmm. slight restriction to keep moving forward without the right. um, complexity of tracking calories. I don't think I ever would have tried fasting if it were not for the fact that I was waiting for a glucose number that I wanted to see. And so that's what took me into the fasting world. And then yeah. I did play around because of Dr. Boz. I did play around yeah. with those longer fast of 36, 48, 72 hours mm-hmm. because I was trying to get a certain Dr. Boz ratio. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I don't regret doing that at all because I learned from it. But mm-hmm. I, I appreciate your method because um, it, it ticks off so many boxes. You're not forcing anybody into a particular diet. You're not saying that it has to be um, low carb or low fat or vegan or paleo or whole 30 or whatever. Um, also, you're encouraging people find the minimum amount of fasting mm-hmm. that works for your body because fasting is healthy. Mm-hmm. It gives our body Mm. time to rest and digest. So I'm very glad that I have learned um, about the fasting life and I enjoy fasting, um, but I also enjoy feasting. And then being around your content taught me the importance of making sure that I lead with protein so that I Mm. don't skip that important part of the macro trinity. And then I can choose, Mm. you know, how much do I want to bring in fruit and starchy veggies, root veggies or whatever. How much do I want to even bring in bread, which I consider a processed food because you ground Mm. down the grain and it's going to be more accessible to your body, whatnot. And then how much do I want to enjoy fats? And I love that you teach that um, fat is not a free food. We don't need to load up on it. Um, we don't need to be afraid of it, but we also don't need to abuse it. And uh, not abusing fat is one of the Trim Healthy Mama teachings too. So I, I love that I've been exposed to Trim Healthy Mama, that that's kind of a foundation for me. I love that I've learned from Dr. Boz. I love that I've learned from the mastering diabetes guys. And um, I'm, but I'm mostly grateful overall that I have your glucose meter teaching to help me refine all of that because yeah. I don't think I could be content on any one of those methodologies alone. And yeah. then just the nutrition that you're teaching is, mm. is vital. It's vital yeah. nutrition. <laughs> yeah. It's that final piece of the puzzle and when you eat, it's really important. And I think gamifying with the little simple blood sugar meter, people get really excited about waiting and seeing the numbers go down and the graphs and, you know, where will I be in two weeks? They keep on following the process and they get really, you know, that really motivates them. Um, But eventually they get to a point where what they eat when they eat is really important too. So it's sort of the final piece of the puzzle. It takes a little bit longer to get your head around and the, the nutritional optimization masterclass is more of a, university course in six weeks than the uh i do think that course takes a lot more dedication and brain space um the data-driven fasting is much easier simpler and they still learn nutrition there from the data-driven fasting course so yeah and the recipe books like you said for people who just want to go well tell me what to eat but if you want to really fine tune it then We've got the Mac Daddy of the tools with the Nutrient Optimizer to help people dial that in. Right. Um, I would like you to, before we wrap up, I'd like you to um, explain about the um, continuous glucose monitors. While I know it's a fun little toy to be wearing on your arm and you don't have to prick your finger, people just seem to lose their minds over, maybe I need a continuous glucose monitor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the new biohackers tool and, and my wife wears one full-time as a type 1 diabetic and I've spent the last six, six months trying to fine-tune her system and you know, for the last five or six years it's been a matter of trying to find what foods to eat to tame that. So I know the importance of it, especially for someone with type 1 diabetes, but I know that you know, every time I have to inject that into her, she doesn't enjoy it and she's quite traumatized by it and it's every 10 days to do that and um she she she's quite triggered by that still and it's quite nerve-wracking for her but she knows she has to do it so um 
I know from that point of view, but also I just see people. I remember three years ago when CGMs were coming out, you'd see people at the low carb conferences with the CGM say, I'm trying to keep my insulin really stable and, um, you know, to, to lose weight. And they're just looking inflamed and puffy and red. And it's like, I don't think that's working for you, man. And it's like, what are you eating? It's like, I oh, just like butter and cream and keep my insulin low, though. But they don't, they miss the fact that. Um, stable blood sugars don't necessarily equal equal optimum health because you can achieve stable blood sugars by eating cream and and bulletproof coffee and avoiding all protein and you end up with flatline blood sugars. But like you said, the more fat you eat, the more um, your body has to hold back. You actually have to release more insulin to hold back the fuel in your body. So actually become more insulin resistant as you keep on jamming in more and more fat energy believing that you're reducing your insulin and and what you can see from managing um, type 1 diabetes is that 80 percent of monica's insulin dose is to hold the fat in storage and only like 10 to 20 percent is that little blip that you see for food so it's a little fine tuning the way to reduce insulin overall is to the, the basal insulin which is most of your insulin is to uh, you know find a way in a sustainable way to lose body fat and be lighter and leaner and and stronger and have more muscle mass and a higher strength to weight ratio powder right weight ratio lower body fat so that's that's really important and the most important thing you can do to manage that is just wait until your blood sugar drops down and then eat in a way that's satiating and nutrient dense so um bringing that CGM is not just expensive and confusing as people try to manage every little blip and you know I sneezed I had coffee my blood sugar went up I'm, I'm going to die because my insulin just spiked and and you know it went up three points and oh my god I'm gonna you know gain gain three pounds tomorrow um they just have that the, the, the human brain is not designed to deal with that complexity so um I just and most people find that they're quite inaccurate and when they start comparing it with their glucose monitor they they find that it's you know 20 points different and the glucose monitor is actually more accurate and cheaper and yeah so for so many reasons um you know keep it simple keep it cost effective um use the minimum effective dose of, of testing for, for long-term sustainability if you're going to do this for six months until you reach your goal weight you don't want to be paying more than you have to to get there and, and or doing your head in you don't want it to take up more headspace than you can afford because a lot of people think they're biohackers but you know in a couple of months they just throw it in because it's just blown up their brain and it's taking too much time and stressed them out and yeah mm -hmm. so that's my rant about cgms they're great for people who need them but um yeah definitely don't think it's that the panacea and stable blood sugar doesn't necessarily equal fat loss it's that blood sugar before you eat that is your fuel gauge that allows you to, to dial in when you eat so you gain long-term sustainable weight loss mm -hmm. cool that was that was a fun question got me triggered <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to um just coming up on the hour anything else you wanted to add thank you so much for all your support and promoting this and just shouting it from the rooftops it's just blown up over the last um, few months due to you getting on Jin's podcast and telling everybody you know and um, got 806 people in the current group and it's just it's, it's gonna blow up so if if you create something that works it just snowballs from there so thank you so much for that well, I'm gonna keep praying for you and Alex as you um, try to keep up with your day jobs and do <laughs> programming and manage this stuff because I I want what you're doing to uh, grow and be more available more more widely known by people because I just I think it's such a wonderful concept it doesn't cost people hundreds of dollars to join so they can have the video classes or whatever you know they get a glucose meter and they pay $37 to join one of your Facebook groups. If they want to have continual access, 74 for, for you know, constant <laughs> doing. And, and we do get the, the lives every weekend. We get to chat and have a, yes. have a riot. So that's really fun. I've really enjoyed having 80 people on a live video and chatting to everybody and getting to know them in that community and they'll share their journey. And it's, it's, it's developing a beautiful community around it. So that yeah. that's what's really important to me that, 
you know, you grow grow a community of people who want to help each other and, and there's mm-hmm. no animosity and arguing and they're all right. just working together to help the newbies on the road. So I love yeah. that. So thank you for contributing so much to that too. And I know it may seem crazy. I, you know, with my Facebook group that I had, the Fasting and Feasting by Meter Facebook group, people come into the group and then they want to ask questions. I tend to then pass the buck to you and say, well, if you go over to Marty's group, you'll get all the teaching you need. So um, I just, I like to have that little hangout spot for myself to keep track of some of the meals I'm eating, maybe teach about them. But I don't, my husband says that I like all of the authority and none of the responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I continually just point people in your direction now because I really don't have time to answer all the questions. So It, it does take a lot of time. Yeah. Some people, sometimes people catch me in the right mood and I'll say, sure, I'll get on and I'll do a, a video call with you and we can talk. But I'm not an expert. I'm just another human trying to live a long, healthy life, if possible, have a good health span mm. that, that matches whatever lifespan God mm. is going to give me. Mm. And I think you are just about a genius in what you've come up with. You and Alex together make a great team. Saskia. Um, yeah. I'm so glad that glad that I stumbled across this circle of people. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for being part of it, and um, yeah, thank you for your time today. Thank you for encouraging everybody so much. And um, before we both keep gushing over each other, <laughs> shut up and leave it off. So, thank you everybody for tuning in, and uh, thank you so much, Laurie. Have thank a great you, Marty. All right, bye. <laughs>